0: It's time to raise the roof for our 15th offseason episode this is now, which is just crazy to think about that we've done 15 of these along with along with all the regular season and postseason episodes that we did. We've done a lot of episodes so far. Uh, Evan and Gibby are back. Uh, me, Evan and Gibby are back and we have our special guest this week. Uh, our special guest is the voice of the Bowling Green Hot Rods who are one of the Rays uh, uh, minor league affiliates. I believe it's they used to be the well, what, what was it they used to be the low A and now they're just the straight A high A affiliate right now.
1: Yep. So but that's so I, I don't know why that triggers me sometimes. <laughs> There's no such like. There's no such thing as low A. There's class A classification A, and then advanced A. So we we used to be class A. Now we're going to be uh, advanced A. Okay. Or A advanced, or however you want to say that. Okay. Yeah, I, I
0: can understand why that can be annoying. And there's just there were obviously a lot more different <laughs> levels of minor league baseball, and now it's at least a couple of leagues less. But uh, uh, Sean Mernon, who is the current voice of the uh, Bowling Green Hot Rods, uh, Sean, how are you? How's everything going? Welcome to the pod.
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me guys. I've enjoyed the project you guys have been working on here and, and kind of the, the network of podcasts you guys have gotten together and everyone has its own little flavor. So, you know, I'm excited to to be on, and I'm excited to see in the future what you guys
2: take. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you. We really, really appreciate that. We really, really do.
0: In terms of the Rays, I wouldn't say the best times are going on in terms of what is going on in the rest of the AL East. So for those that didn't know, Well, first off, uh, Aaron Loop, former uh, relief pitcher on the race, just signed with the Mets, a free agent deal with them today. Uh, Just some other news and other things that have happened around the, both around the division and also the American League. So I know that we mentioned the rumors of Jamison Tyon in the previous podcast, and then literally the day after he gets traded to the Yankees for a package of prospects going to the Pirates. Then the Yankees end up trading relief pitcher Adam Adovino to the Red Sox. Now the Red Sox just added a new piece. And on top of the moves that the Blue Jays already made by getting George Springer, they just got Marcus Simeon. I think it was a one-year, eighteen million dollar deal. So things are moving and shaking. So I don't. Uh, I wanted to get everyone's opinion on kind of the moves that have been going on and where this situates the Rays going into twenty-one because, or twenty, are going into this twenty twenty-one season because the Rays haven't really done anything significant since the Blake Snell trade, which people have both argued it was a good and bad trade in terms of both short-term and long-term things so i wanted to get everyone's thoughts uh, and we can kind of talk about this a little bit more in depth about where this puts the, the team right now
3: so obviously we're we're very competitive in um the East is very competitive it's not like the central division we're like the Central division it's kind of like I, I wouldn't say it's completely like trash or anything but it's it's definitely not like up to the level of competition that the AL East is at now, because I feel like a lot of those teams are just buying in now after this 2020 season to, to uh, try to get some. Probably because there'll be fans in the stands, so they they actually want to try to do good now, and so I I feel like it's uh, everyone's kind of competing now because I feel like they're they feel like there's a power gap, and so they they feel like they can all be competitive this year. So it, it's nice to see. So I think it puts us in a good spot in the division it's definitely more competitive now I I don't feel as confident in winning the the, uh, the division as I did before or, or the possibility of winning the division
0: Sean Sean or uh, Evan you guys can take the floor and talk kind of more about what
1: what you're kind of feeling like with this team right now
2: Sean you got it
1: I mean this is I, I don't know about you guys but I grew up as an AL East fan, I mean I'm I'm in my 30s now, but I was grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania. I was a Yankees fan. This is the way the AL East has always been. There's good there's never haves and have nots. There's teams that have down years. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of what are they gonna do to to restock and and to reload. From the Rays, they've always operated from a, a deal of what what can we get out of our players that are going to keep us underneath the luxury tax and what are the what are we going to get out of them that nobody else is like I think back to last year in Bowling Green we ended up with a kid that came in from the Dodgers organization Nathan Witt who was having a rough season he was an all-star but ERA was still a little bit high and stuff like that he came in and in two weeks he was one of the best bullpen arms in in our on our team if not the league the Rays just do things like that and so they're going to operate from Especially when you're talking pitching, like a like a guy like like Aaron Loop and stuff like that, they're just good. there's it's a next it's almost like a football mentality. It's the next man up, I think, in that organization. They have so many guys that throw hard. Like Shane McClanahan came up in the in the postseason. He's left handed and throws a hundred. So. Um, I, I just think from from that side, and not only that, but you're seeing the Blue Jays mature now. I mean, they had such a strong minor league system; all those guys came up, so now they're just adding pieces to make it. I mean, it's going to be a competitive division, and I think on top of that, the Red Sox didn't have the guy in charge that they wanted last year, and obviously Mookie Betts is gone, so they add a couple. You know, they add a couple guys and everything. It's going to be a fun division to watch. No, you're not going to see hundred win raise team. If you do, holy crap! But
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I think I think it's good for I think it's really good for baseball fans to to have that competitive a division.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think the Simeon trade was huge for the um, Blue Jays. I mean, he's just he's one of the most reliable what shortstops in the game. He's day in day out. He's always playing well. I feel like he's always at the top of. I mean, the A's are always sneaky good, and he's a reason because of that. And I mean, the Blue Jays were. I think they were just too young last year. They have a ton of talent, but they're just not there yet. And with that signing, with that and Springer, I mean, they got their veteran leadership. I'm really, I I was scared of the Blue Jays last year and I've taken, I'm much more scared of them now. Um, But I do still think that like the top three teams in the AL East, like the Yankees, Rays and Blue Jays. There's a huge drop-off between them three and the Red Sox and Orioles just because the Red Sox – started like, the Red Sox pitching is just still hor- – like, it's horrible still. They might get Chris – they I think they'll get Chris Sale back next year. But, I mean, they had one of the worst pitching I think I've ever seen, and then the Orioles are still rebuilding. So, I mean, it's going to be a hell of a race, I think. But this is what the Rays do every offseason, I feel like. Like, I don't remember any huge signings that the Rays have done – in the last couple of years, other than Charlie Morton, it—I mean—I feel like this is a typical Rays offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still overperform. We still, maybe not overperform, but we exceed many fans' expectations. And I think that's going to happen again because we still have a really good team. Aaron Loop—I mean, it's sad to see him go. He was pretty solid. He was—he was okay in that bullpen. He's going to be really good. He was a good sidearm to have. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a good—he's a good sidearm. He's a good arm when our better arms are like trying to rest, but it's not like that detrimental to the team because he wasn't like a big piece in our bullpen. Sure. It was nice to have. It was not, it was a good arm to have, but like that, I mean, I'm fine to see him kind of go. I wish him the best of luck, but I'm fine with that. I think because our bullpen is still legit.
0: I did want to ask everyone with, I guess, going team by team here since, since there are three teams that ended up making moves contrary to what the Rays did, so starting off with the Yankees adding Tyon into that rotation and with a lot of the unknowns that they currently have so them adding in two starting arms into that rotation along with Cole. I know then- Kluber is a Kluber is a little bit of a a question mark, but how is everyone feeling about where the Yankees are this year compared to compared to where they were last year, especially with the rotation.
3: I feel like they're definitely a little bit better at the rotation. I mean, they got rid of some of – I think they got rid of Masahiro Tanaka finally. I think he signed with a Japanese team, if I'm not mistaken. So that's one of their pieces gone. But I feel like he was having down here anyway, and he was going to go back to Japan no matter what. So they, they signed Kluber, and they signed Tai Long. I, I feel like they have a, a much better starting rotation than they did last year. They they just have I feel like they just, they just have more arms, more lo- lo- reliable arms that they can go to instead of going to their bullpen. I feel like they can they could tax their starting pitching a little bit more now. Definitely a little bit more competitive with the pitching, I think. I don't feel like you lose that much value from Masahiro Tanaka compared to Koe Kluber and Cylon they just got. So I feel like it's a it's a good move on their part and it definitely makes them even more competitive going
1: into this division.
0: Yeah, Sean, Sean, how are you feeling about the Yankees? Yeah, I, I think,
1: I don't know, when I look at it, I, I think if if they can get what they think they can get out of Tyone, then I think that they upgraded, right? I mean, uh, you you're a guy, that's a guy that was a top prospect in baseball for the longest time, and obviously he's he's had some serious issues as far as his health and stuff like that goes, and he's been able to rebound from that, so you never really know what's going to come of that. But at the same time, the, I don't think Brian Cashman, the Yankees, make moves just to make moves. I th- I think they do it with a reason. I mean, you know, you bring in Corey Kluber. I mean, Corey Kluber's mm-hmm. pretty effing good. I, I don't know, I don't know if you guys have seen him over the last five years. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So you have that behind Cole and Severino like those are four legit starters. If you get, if even if you get replacement level numbers out of those guys, like, well, you'd have to get above replacement, obviously for who they are and what you're going to pay them. But, but, well, I think Tyone's uh, contract is actually super manageable. And that's one of the reasons why they made that trade. I mean, three out of those four guys that they traded away are in the pirates top 30. Now, if you look at or MLB pipeline. So yeah, I I mean, I think they, I think they upgraded their rotation and really, I mean, pitching is what everybody's after at this point. And if you get a guy that can go, you know, I mean, the, the bullpen in New York is, is decent last time I checked, too. So if you get a guy that goes five, six innings, you're, mm-hmm. you're in pretty good That's shape.
2: Fine. Yeah, I, I definitely think that the um that New York's bull, or, uh, starting rotation has improved and just got that more kind of. I mean, Kluber's a veteran. He's sure he's coming off injury. He might be a little bit questionable. The only issue with it I have. I mean, I'll go with the benefit first, is that it's really deep. I mean, they have, I think, seven starting pitchers with Tyon, Kluber, Cole, Montgomery, Garcia, Herman, and Severino. So that's a really deep rotation. So if anybody gets injured, they can have a solid pitcher come in and take their place. But there all are kind of a lot of unknowns. Like, other than Cole, Cole's a stud. He's been a stud for the last two or three years. Kluber, he's coming off injury. He should be good. But, like, you never know with pitchers and coming off injury. Maybe he reaggravates the injury. You just never know. And he is kind of older. So... If he gets another injury, you just you just never know with older guys. Same with Tyon. Tyon's younger, I think, than Kluber is, but he also has had two Tommy John surgeries, which is also dangerous for him. Uh, then Montgomery's been pretty good. Uh, then Garcia, um, he's young. He, I think he made his debut last year, maybe two years ago. So I do think they've gotten like the bigger names, and they have upgraded. But I do think – I think it's better than the Rays rotation, but I think it's very similar to the Rays rotation in that they've got one really good guy and then kind of a lot of questionable, like, younger, maybe coming off injury guys. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's – the Rays, is, it's a whole lot younger, but – and I do think that the Yankees' rotation is going to be better, but I do think there's some more similarities than most people think.
3: Yeah, I definitely think the Rays gives you a lot more value just with their with their um, starting pitching. Like if, like, just you look at it to the teams, like – And how how our pitching does, acts up to theirs, and how much money they're spending. So it's definitely it's definitely still going to be competitive. I'm 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 excited to see what other moves the Rays make, if any. I'm I'm excited to see how how they're starting pitching. I I want to see if they like move a few guys off of that starting pitching block because like seven's a lot to have. I feel like they could move some of those guys out to like relievers or something. Be interesting.
0: Oh, Sean,
1: I it looked like you might have had a thought. And I don't know if you you didn't or did well, not. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just. I guess I had a couple things. So just for reference, Tyone is twenty nine years old and in eighteen when he came back from that. In seventeen, of course, you remember he had that that surgery because he had cancer. You know, I mean, he had I think a three point one ERA that season and like a uh, WHIP was okay. Last year, his WHIP was pretty good too, which I, I think is a better indicator of how how you're pitching. Kluber's 34, but the last time he pitched in a full season, he finished third in the Cy Young. So, like I said, like he's still I, in my again, in my opinion, I think he's still, you know, one full healthy season. I think I think he's good to go. Is he Cy Young capable? I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know what the extent of, of anything is. But at the same time, do the Yankees really need a Cy Young? Probably not. <laughs> they probably just need a guy who's going to go out there and pitch well. And then I, I think the more to the point the the seven guys in the rotation, yeah, they probably won't go in with seven guys in the rotation. I, I think the only good thing is, and, and I think cash has, has really shown a, an openness to doing this is let's get into spring training and compete. Let's see how these guys throw. And, you know, if, if there's some point during the season where they're not doing, they're not doing as well as they should, well, that's okay. You can go back to the bullpen and I can put somebody else in there or, or, you know, if you're getting jitters on the mound and blown up in the first inning, that's okay. I have guys in the bullpen that can throw the first inning and then you can come out for the second when the game's already started. So I just think that if you have seven guys that are capable starters, I think you're really in a really good spot if you know that you can, you know, intermix the fourth and the fifth guy in and out of the bullpen. Plus, you're going to get more longevity out of those guys if they only have to pitch once every three days instead of, you know, pitching six innings every seven days or whatever it is. So I don't know. I guess those were the thoughts that were going through my head. I think the Rays pitching wise are always, I think for the next 10 years, they're going to be in a good spot. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Now I don't really want to spend as much time talking about the Red Sox because I, I really do think that there is quite a gap, even with guys getting healthy. I know sale getting healthy. I don't know about Eduardo Rodriguez's current status in terms of pitching, but Trading away Mookie did so much to hurt that franchise that I just don't think that even, I mean, they made some minimal moves. I mean, Kike Hernandez, Garrett Richards, and now Ottavino I don't think that that's going to be enough to even propel them up to the level where the Blue Jays are. But I really want to talk about the Blue Jays because of the moves that they made, especially on offense. I know that they re-signed Robbie Ray and... I don't know if they added in any other pitching. And I know that their pitching is really the thing that's lacking for them, but they made some significant upgrades on offense. And I wonder if that's going to propel them above where the Rays are currently.
2: I mean, the Blue Jays, I mean, they were, they made the playoffs. Granted, it was expanded playoffs last year, but I mean, their offense is one of the more likable in the league in terms of last year. I mean, and they just grew. I mean, Springer's, I mean, he's been a stud for what, four or five years. And then, like I've said, uh, Semyon, he's been really, really good for the last four or five years, same. Like, they just – they were really good last year, and they just upgraded. And I was scared of them last year, and I think that they're going to – their pitching still a little iffy, though. I don't really know much about their bullpen. I don't think it's that good. Their starting pitching is, I feel like, okay. I, it's, I think their team is kind of surrounded by the offense. The offense is going to have to carry them, like they kind of had to do last year. But if they're pitching, if they can get – like a good, a decent production from their pitching staff. I think they, I mean, they could maybe not win the division, but they can make a run for the division title.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we talked earlier. I don't, I don't think the offense is going to be a problem at all for them when you're looking at you know Vladimir Guerrero Jr., George Springer, you know Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette. Like you're going to get you're you have guys that are going to hit in that lineup and they're going to produce runs. That I mean, like you guys are saying, the pitching you look at it and it's when I look at it I see a bunch of names that Mm -hmm. I recognize like you have Hyunjin Ryu Nate Pearson Tanner Roark I mean these are you know Robbie Ray Pearson is just I don't know if you guys play MLB the show he was a cheat code on MLB Mm -hmm. the show last year that dude just throws as hard as he can and it's crazy you know like Robbie Ray was with the Diamondbacks for a while Roark was a Nationals guy for a while Ryu was out in out in Los Angeles during this whole time that they've been constantly getting to the NLCS before they got over the hump. Like they have some, they actually in a the bullpen, they actually have a former Rays guy. Kirby Yates is in the bullpen for them. Mm. He was yet, I mean, he was a minor leader. He was, he was in Bowling Green um, at one point in his career, but Ross Stripling, I mean, there's, there's not a ton of guys, AJ Cole that I, that I look at and I'm like, Oh man, I, I really recognize these guys. I also, realize that i tend to pay more attention to minor league baseball than i do major league baseball so Mm -hmm. i mean it's really tough because we've seen teams with just pitching get really really deep into the playoffs i don't know how many times we've seen teams with primarily offensive sensibilities get really really deep into the playoffs so i just wonder in a division where you're going to be going up against the yankees who may have four legitimate starters in a good bullpen and you're going up against the Rays who are going to be in a similar situation where they're just going to be able to throw arms from every slot at every, you know, at every mile per hour at you, is the offense going to be enough to overcome that? Or are you going to have to find a way to limit a, a offense, in, especially in Tampa, that I think is starting to grow as their guys start to blossom and stuff like that? I mean, you saw Lau exploded during the season last year. What's he going to do with a full season under his belt? You know, all all that kind of stuff. So, well, I guess the long answer is I still don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's such an interesting just dichotomy of what's going on in the division to kind of see who is who and how teams are going to do, because when you add in all of these commodities and they are proven commodities, but when you're adding them into new teams, it doesn't necessarily translate immediately. And I think for the sake of baseball, I want it to, but for the sake of the Rays, I would prefer it not to be. And I wanted to quickly talk about the Rays. So right now, like I said, they really haven't made a big move since since the snail deal that that happened in late December. And I really feel like this team is maybe one or two moves away or one or two signings away. Would you feel confident about this team, about this Rays team going into the season as they stand right now? Or do they need to make one or two moves in order to kind of solidify what they have going?
3: I think you definitely just want to make one or two moves just to insinuate that you're that you're that you are being competitive this season. So I, I definitely think they're a very competitive team. I think they can still win the division with the players even that they have now, it'll be hard, granted, and it'll it'll definitely be an unexpected kind of thing. You know, I feel like there's already a lot of people. I mean, this happens every year. There's a lot of people already downing the Rays, and I mean, they're they're not they're not wrong to be downing. I mean, they haven't they haven't really made all, all that much. We don't know what Patino can do with that Snell trade, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, if if they make any more moves, I would like to see some pitching. Maybe I feel like we already kind of solved the catching kind of situation. I'd like to see at least one more starting pitcher, maybe a guy who's kind of had an off year last year, so we can get him on the cheap, um, or maybe just a stud. You know, that 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 wouldn't hurt either. Um, so I, I definitely think you're right about that, Alex. This team's one or two moves away from being
2: like really
3: competitive and for this division?
2: I think that... I mean, I'm confident with the group of guys we have. Just based on the bullpen, I think I think a lot of my kind of cons- consolation comes from how good our bullpen is. Like, we still have a really, really good bullpen, and I think people forget about that. Yeah, sure, our starting rotation took a, took a hit, but we still have solid guys in the rotation, too, and it, it is thin. Like, we can't have the amount of injuries that we had last year to kind of override those our starting rotation just because it's thin. But I, I mean, I keep thinking about how our offense was horrible in the playoffs. Like I know we don't have as good a starting rotation as we did last year, but our offense was really, really bad in the playoffs and we still made it to the world series. And I think most of that is because of the bullpen and the bullpen really did carry that team to the world series. And I think they could do that again and we won't be playing. And they played a ton of games in a short amount of time. And they still did that last year. I would like to see another starting pitcher. I've always said this on this podcast, but Paxton, I think he'd still be a really good option. Um, like Gibby said, he just coming off an injury. Um, so we could buy him cheap, but yeah, I think he'd be a really good fit in Tampa. But, and I think just to make another move, just to kind of quiet the cr- like crowds. Cause I feel like a lot of race fans are becoming restless and kind of tired be like, okay, when are we going to do something? But I, yeah, I would like to see them make another move, but I do feel confident with the group of guys we still have.
1: I mean, as I sit here, they kind of brought that veteran guy in, didn't they? They got Michael Walker.
3: Michael Walker, yeah.
1: And that's that's a guy that's made some playoff runs and stuff like that. I, I think a, anytime now that I've I've been able to watch what they do and see see the way that the organization interacts and works, I can't like stress this enough. Never discredit the coaching and player development people that they have when you look and they get a signing or they make a trade for somebody that you've never heard of or something know that there's a reason for that. And it's, it's funny because so let me, let me ask any one of you guys answer this. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about somebody who's designated as a closer coming in up by one in the seventh inning with two runners on and up, uh, you know guy hitting over 300 coming up to the plate how do you feel about the closer coming in, in that situation
3: you definitely be a little nervous with a 300 hitter i
1: mean right in the but, but you're, you're, call, you're calling on your best bullpen arm in the seventh inning
2: i typically don't like that but i trust in terms of yeah. uh, we're talking about the raise <laughs> i trust cash because he's done that many times and i trust what he does
1: Right. Because you're, you're yeah. looking at it saying it's the high leverage situation of the game. This is probably mm-hmm. their best chance to take control. Mm-hmm. So we're going to throw our best guy to try and just get rid of that right there. Right. Yeah. You're hoping that you can get the rest of the way there and that there's not going to be any more issues. So numbers wise, that's the right call. So that's the way the race front office seems to play. When can we leverage guys that we know, or we're going to have to pay a ton of money to, when can we leverage them to the most to get guys back that will be able to replace him in a year or two so that's what we saw with blake snell the difference is you got patino back that is a very legitimate prospect that's a very legitimate arm that could very well be in the majors next year this year Mm -hmm. so is he going to be blake snell level this year no but he's the type of guy that the padres were looking at and going this is a guy who could win some awards so like, I always just try, whenever whenever I do talk to Rays fans, granted in Minnesota and in Kentucky, they're not exactly as widespread as you'd like to see. <laughs> That's one of the things I always say is pump the brakes. Like, these guys have proven they know what they're doing. So if they don't add anybody, you should feel just as confident if they added three more guys because that front office has said, we don't need to add anybody else because we have X, Y, Z. Let's not forget that you had guys like your Shane Boz You know, as as far as you know, a guy that's right-handed that throws really hard, he was in that that alternate site mix this year. Wander Franco, who's the top hitting pro, well, the top prospect in all of baseball, he was at the alternate site. You can't expect to have really good, you know, really good performances out of really young guys like that. I mean, you think about it. When I had Wander and Bowling Green, he was still a teenager, Mm -hmm. which is just still insane to me (laughs) because he's he's just broad and doesn't like. He's just one of those guys where you look at it and you're like. I wish I could have looked like that when I was 18. I might've been able to do something with my life too. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just, I I think that that's the beauty of the race system is that if you ever don't feel confident in what the major league team's doing, pull out your Baseball America handbook and look at the top 30 prospects. You'll probably find about 10 guys that you think, oh, you know what? Like (laughs) that could actually pan out for us. Yeah, I was just gonna say I've learned to
2: not doubt the Rays front office ever. Yeah, because they, it's they, gotten
0: to that point
2: <laughs> because they constantly make moves that are not fan favorites, but hell, they work out sometimes. Most of the time, so I've learned to not really be outspoken about how the questionable Rays front office decisions are.
0: It seems like eighty to ninety percent of them have ended up being, you know, being good moves for this team, which is just insane to think about. But Sean, before I wanted to ask more questions about what you're currently doing in Bowling Green with the Hot Rods and your experience so far in the Rays organization. Obviously, with this season coming up, I know there's still a lot of question marks major league wise in terms of whether it's actually going to happen on time, whether spring training is going to happen on time. What do you know so far about the minor league season? What have they told you for Bowling Green? And is it supposed to happen on
1: time? Man, I've pretty much if you guys have Baseball America subscriptions, I know as much as you. It's, I guess, the, they have all these different things set up where there's going to be different season lengths now. And, you know, we're, we're kind of just waiting to hear. So basically, it's been reported Major League Baseball sent out all of their invitations to the 120 teams that survived the, whatever you want to call it, the reshuffling, the reorganization of the minors. Mm-hmm. So, of course, as we mentioned earlier, you know, the Hot Rods are, are received their invitation to be a, an A advanced affiliate of the Rays. And so basically, we have to wait to find out what's going to happen until after all of those invitations and the, the player development licenses are looked over, agreed upon, signed and sent back to Major League Baseball. Once that happens, like I mentioned, I, I read it in an article, I think J.J. Cooper wrote it, that at that point, Major League Baseball would then assign leagues to each team because there's going to be some, some shuffling as far as that's concerned from what I understand And there will also be schedules at that point. So, are we expecting to have a season? Yes. Uh, That's that so far, that's been, you know, the sign. I mean, granted, we're in unprecedented times. So, who the hell really knows? But, you know, we've been preparing and expecting for it. So, we're just kind of trying to get through the next month or so here and and hopefully get a schedule and, and be able to get people into the ballpark.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that we all hope that there's going to be some semblance of a season just because of the fact that there was no minor league baseball last year. I know that that definitely came as not only a surprise, but a shock to a lot of people. And then obviously with all of the reshuffling that's happened, considering that a couple of Rays affiliates, including the Charlotte stone crabs were gotten rid of as a result of everything. It does suck, but hopefully it provides good things in the future. And that kind of leads me into talking and asking some things about you and what you're currently doing with the hot rod. So as the voice of the hot rods and this is not the first team that you've been with you've been with a few teams
1: now was broadcasting something that you've always wanted to do no broadcasting was not what i always wanted to do in fact i i didn't realize that i wanted to do it until i was a junior in college i started out in high school like everybody else i wanted to play and i was Okay. But I went to a super small school and found out very quickly that I was good at my small school, but wasn't very good in the grand scheme of things. So uh, I was already in school for communications as my major. So I wanted to be, you know, my my first thought was I wanted to cover teams. I wanted to be like a beat reporter and a beat writer. And I went and I got my associate's degree at a two-year school. And when I left there out in Pennsylvania and went to my four-year school, I was trying to pick a major and they told me that I had to be an English major if I wanted to write for the school newspaper. And I kind of laughed and I was like, I'm, I don't have the brain to be an English major. So what else do we have here? And they, they said that I could go into the broadcasting track. And so I was the sports director for the school radio station and I did a football game. And I am like a very I get very angry with myself for doing very stupid things. And I was walking away and I was going over everything that we had done during the football game. And then I realized like, wow, this was actually really fun. And I'm awful at this. Like, there's a lot of room for me to improve here. So I, I did that and it, it just kind of grew from there. I took a chance and really pressed the Scranton Wilkesbury Yankees at the time, the the media relations and broadcasting directors name was Mike Vanderwood there. And I kind of really pressed him. He didn't have any open internships, but he was nice enough to to bring me on. And I spent a summer being a media relations intern and, and being in and out of the clubhouse that way. And just kind of just kind of caught from there i took a couple years off while while my wife was finishing up her degree i did odd jobs like debt collection and you know i was a salesperson for bank of america over the you know the people you call and you're like i just wanted to pay on my credit card it's like yeah but we have this really great deal for you and it, that only reinforced it because i would get at least one phone call a day where it's like you sound really great you have a deep voice you should be on the radio yeah i was <laughs> literally just about that.
3: to tell you I'd, I'd love to hear you comment on a football game i feel like yeah. be, be awesome <laughs>
1: but that was pretty cool. And eventually, you know, I, I got into the college summer league baseball and that was actually a friend of mine from the Scranton wilkes press box, who was also an intern had a job in Minnesota and my wife and I moved to Minnesota after she was out of school and he decided he was going to leave his job. And it was about four, it was, you know, college summer league. So it's like three months out of the summer. And he called me and he said, Hey, do you, do you want me to put your name in for this, for this job? It's four hours away from where you live. And I was like, ah, I mean, I'm like 26, and I've really—I'm working at Sears selling refrigerators. Yeah, what the heck? And I ended <laughs> up getting the job. So I actually live in Mankato now, which is funny, which is the team I worked for. So that's kind of how how things got rolling for me. It wasn't—it wasn't an intended career path, but I'm very—I'm very lucky, and I'm—I'm I'm grateful that I've been able to get to this point.
0: So starting with collegiate summer baseball. What really clicked in your head that made you want to continue to do it more? And what opportunities did you first start trying to look at when it came to making your way into different major league organizations through their minor league
1: teams? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. well, I'll tell you this after probably the first week I wanted to quit. I kept a notebook that entire summer that I would go back after every game and I would listen to the three hour game tape and I would write down everything I hated about myself. So after a week, I had like 90 pages and I'm like, I probably shouldn't be doing this. For Somebody should not be paying me to do this. But I was I was lucky that our vice president was very supportive. And uh, he he sat down with me and, and kind of pushed through it a little bit and stuff like that. And I had, I'll tell you what, like for for being in college summer ball in, in the Midwest and South Central Minnesota, where. You know, the mosquitoes are as big as my hand. I'm six foot seven. So, I mean, you could imagine that. The partner that I had is the voice of the Minnesota State University Hockey Club here. And that's a Division one hockey program. And he would come in on Wednesdays because he worked with the radio station. And every Wednesday, man, he would be so supportive. He'd just be like, hey, you know what? Like, that's all right. Like, you missed that one. But here's how you get through it. Like, here's how you fix it. And it was just, for two years, I was there like that with him. And his name was Mike Sullivan, Sully. And one of the nicest guys I've ever come across, he was one of the best partners I've ever had because he kind of just helped me stick with it because there, there's a lot to do with. I mean, you do media relations and stuff. So I think after my first month is when I, I realized I'm actually getting better at this. By God, I might be good. Maybe this is something that I could continue. And after that season, I applied to a couple you know minor league jobs because that to me, that was the logical next step is, is all the guys that I was working with and all the guys on that team they were there because they wanted to get drafted so so in my head I'm thinking okay professional baseball is is the way I want to go with this so let's try and make that jump nothing happened I went back to Mankato which is funny because I I was able to win the popularity contest I won the broadcaster of the year award that season and pretty much that's that was just like you know be good to the other guys be likable and that doesn't necessarily come easy to me but I I was able to do it and again that was something I was very grateful for and I'm still friends with a lot of those guys that were in that you know in that league and the season after that, my old boss from Scranton actually helped me get a job in Peoria, Illinois, for the Cardinals' Class A affiliate. And the guy, the guy there, Nathan Boliva, absolutely just busted me the entire season. Man, he would do so. I had to write the game recaps for him uh, during the home games, and mm-hmm. I'm not lying to you. It's, and I would run the scoreboard while the game was going on, and we would switch for three innings so I could do my innings. And if you've ever called a game, you know it actually is very difficult to keep up with the game and as people are scoring which is good for your tape <laughs> not so good for your game recap when you're running the scoreboard I'd either get yelled at because I wasn't running the scoreboard because I was busy typing or I would get yelled at after the game because I hadn't printed out the game recap yet because it wasn't finished but he would take a red pen and it would look like he just took a knife and stabbed somebody all over that paper it was just so like you know, this is a run on this is this didn't happen. You change tenses on this sentence, like all that kind of stuff. It was like high school English all over again. And that still that that still didn't deter me. So I was in Peoria for a year and then I ended up being able to go to Hagerstown and I was the voice of the Hagerstown sons. That was my first thing. And then the year after, I ended up in Bowling Green. That's awesome. So you said you
2: did a uh, football. I know you didn't really do football for that long. But like what, I guess, kind of set
1: baseball play by play apart from football. And did you like doing football? I enjoyed doing football, but I also, so we were actually a football school. I went to a school called East Stroudsburg university, mm-hmm. which is uh, James, James Franklin, the head coach of Penn state. That's his alma mater. Mm-hmm. He, he might be the most famous alumnus we have, honestly. And we were a football school and the football stadium is right next to the radio station. And we had some old equipment that you had to actually see the tower on the radio station and aim the antenna at it to be able to broadcast so one that was the easiest when I took over sports director with with my friend Johnny that was the I mean that was the season we were going into so that was kind of the start of it but baseball to me I grew up playing baseball I grew up loving baseball you know what I mean like we would I had a friend that had season tickets so whenever he had an extra ticket or they didn't go to a game and they had a rain check or something he would always ask me if I wanted to go so I grew up you know, loving the game. I mean, I got to meet guys like Chase Sutley and Ryan Howard and Gavin Floyd and Cole Hamels and stuff. And I got to see all these guys come through scranton Wilkesbury when they were a Phillies affiliate. And that was something that I kind of latched onto that, you know, in football, you sit all the way up in the stands and those guys are hitting each other and they're running a million miles an hour and stuff like that. In baseball, like when a guy's getting ready, what do you see? You see, you know, a guy handing a batting glove to a kid through the fence before it goes up and stuff like that. Like, it's just, I feel like it's more personable baseball. They say baseball is a very difficult sport to call because of its pace, because there's a lot of action packed into a short amount of time. And then there's a lot of dead time. But as you guys can tell from this podcast, I really don't have any problem running my mouth. So <laughs> I really didn't, I didn't run into I didn't run into a lot of problems with it. And so I feel like baseball was just a, a better pace for me to keep up with.
0: So on top of all of this, when did the opportunity for Bowling Green come up? And then on top of that, because we talked about this pre-pod, you also do some media relations stuff. Was that something that you did in college or was that something that you picked up along the way as you started doing college, summer ball, and then Peoria and et cetera, et cetera?
1: So my associate's degree is in communications, I think specifically journalism, but we also had to learn public and media relations. So I got a little bit of experience in my two year school doing that. So that was where I first kind of came into contact with the public and media relations stuff. And then it was just, you know, when I got that job in, in Mankato, I mean, that was where it started, where, you know, I made the decision we were going to do game notes. It was entirely up to me. We, you know, we went through that whole thing. And then, I mean, in minor league baseball, almost every single radio guy, especially once you get, you know, when you're an a ball, Everybody does media relations because you are literally the guy that travels with the team by and large. There's a lot of teams that don't send radio, radio on the road, and you may only get a roster from them, but by and large, it's, you know, so, so my full workload is I'm manager of media relations. Whenever we have a press release that needs to go out, I'm the one sending it. I'm on page 105 of my media guide for this year right now. That is an InDesign document that I am completely going through and doing with the help of my intern. He's helping me write player bios, but all of the historical data and stats and everything like that is pretty much all me because I don't trust anybody else to do it. It's a lot of Excel. You have the game notes. I generally do 13 pages worth of game notes every day, which is stats, player bios, What's going on with the team? Who's the starting pitcher? How do they pitch against this team? All that kind of stuff. The game recaps. We're the ones that post all that stuff to the website and send it out to the media. Any media requests that come through where someone wants to interview someone, whether it's in the front office, usually that, you know, whether it's in the front office or the clubhouse, that usually comes to us because we're around those guys. You know, there gets to be a point where if there is an interview request and somebody says, hey, I heard you guys are offering a new burger at the ballpark. Also, your catcher won the home run derby. Is there any way I could talk to the general manager and the starting catcher for the team when I come at like 3 o'clock? Well, you text the general manager, and I'm probably the only one in the ballpark that has the ability of texting the catcher too. So <laughs> I'm kind of that perfect in between. And that, that's, how, that's how most of the, the broadcasting guys are. So as far as the media relations stuff goes – anybody who's trying to get into it, practice your writing, do, do the best that you can send it to people because you're going to have to do it. If you want to do the broadcasting, that's where teams are going to find the value in what you do is covering the team and giving their fans a reason to follow the team on the road. As far as how I ended up in Bowling Green, it's actually funny because now the voice of the Iowa Cubs, Alex Cohen, is a good friend of mine and he was the Bowling Green Hot Rods radio guy in 2016 and 2017. And we weren't initially friends, but while I was in Peoria in 2017, my boss was on the road in Bowling Green. Alex mentioned, I have I have something that I need to attend. I have to find somebody to fill in for me. There's four home games that I need covered. I would do the first game with them. They would do the two games by themselves, and then they would do the last game with me, and I'd have a place for them to stay and everything. So he called me and said, I would let you – we're going to be on the road during that stint, so I would let you come out here and do this if you wanted to. You would just have to get yourself here. So I did that, and uh, man, I, I went out there. I had a blast. I hit it off. I hit it off with Eric, my boss now, the GM. You know, we went out for drinks. I think the second night that I was there, and just kind of shot the breeze a little bit and stuff. I, got, I I loved everybody in the ballpark. I thought it was great. It also helped that one of my good friends, Jesse Goldberg Strassler, who's who's also he's the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts. They were the visiting team. And on top of that, their catcher that, that season happened to be in Mankato with me my first year. So there was a large level of comfort for me in being there. And so I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't do the new guy thing and clam up and just sit in the press box. Okay. Mm -hmm. when's when's first pitch coming, like, I just, I just don't want to be in the way it was, you know, I I didn't rule the roost by any stretch of the imagination, but I was comfortable enough to be be myself and show up and, and do, you know, do the work and do the research on the team and everything. And, uh, I guess that I guess that played well. They were looking in twenty eighteen. I was considered for the job at that point, didn't get it, lost out to somebody else. And um, I spent the season, like I said, in Hagerstown. We had Juan Soto that year, so that wasn't all that bad. And <laughs> not and too bad. At then, all. No. And then I ended up getting a call from Eric and, and he said, Hey, we're gonna be looking for somebody to do this position in twenty nineteen. And you know, I, I noticed that you haven't applied. Are you interested in the job? And when I said yes, he said we'll send in your stuff and I went through the process and uh, by the winter I got my offer letter the day before the winter meetings that year so Mm. I ended up I ended up going to Las Vegas and really didn't have too much to do
2: like when you work I guess minor league teams do you become kind of attached to the major league team as well or do you kind of just follow the
1: team that you have to cover oh that's a really good question so it's a it's a tricky one because I really get invested in the team I'm covering because that's really if you think about it that's the most important thing. I could know everything in the world about the race mm-hmm. and if I don't know it, if I don't know anything about the team I'm covering that's going to be a pretty dull broadcast. Yeah. And on top of that when you when you're in a place like Bowling Green you really have to be cognizant of the fact that not everybody, you know, not everybody is going to be a Rays fan. They're going to be Hot Rods fans. Um, by and large to come to the ballgame, they're going to be baseball fans. So if they're tuning in or, or they're listening or they're watching, a lot of our people that watch too, don't forget, are going to be family members to the players and stuff like that on MILB TV. So I really try to focus in on what we have going on in front of us. And I think that that also a lot of people, I think, get it twisted where they say, you know, you want to tell the story of the game in the play-by-play role, and they end up force feeding stories about, you know, this guy's little brother's best friend fell off of a horse when he was six years old and broke his collarbone and now he throws a hundred. And it's like, dude, you just missed three batters that got <laughs> struck, you know, that got struck out. Everybody's in the dugout and they're yeah. getting their pine tar and their bats up. It's like, that's not telling the story of the game. You need to tell what's going on. And then if you can add interesting things to add value to it, that's where you go from there.
0: How, so how has it been like covering the hot rod so far? Uh, obviously, obviously, You not 100% being a race fan, but still being invested in the organization as someone who is the voice of one of the minor league teams. How was it like that first season in 2019? How has it been like so far? How involved have you been able to be with with the organization, with knowing guys on the major league level? And I know you just talked about Wander, but what sort of, you know, what players did you watch in that that 2019 season that a lot of people are talking about now?
1: Uh, The last part of that question is, I think there's gonna be a day where I look back on that and go I you know I could get to major League Baseball and not see that type of talent so because I remember it most vividly let's start with that so we've heard of Wander have you heard of a guy named Shane McClanahan yeah mm-hmm. Shane Boz is boss it's it's Boz by the way not Baz uh- <laughs> I always thought it <laughs> ba- I, I thought it was Baz too so that's uh, you know, no, like something it's, new every day yeah it's it's Boz because that's that's why his Twitter handle is the Wizard of Boz because' like the Wizard of Oz gotcha I guess I just accidentally shouted him out. Good for him. So, yeah, you have Boz, McClanahan, Wander, Matthew Libertor. I think we all remember him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he ended up getting traded to the Cardinals, but pretty good. I don't
0: want to talk about that. I was so pissed off about that. <laughs> <laughs> that makes... I loved Libertor. I was like, they got him at such a discount at like 16 or whatever. They, heck, that they drafted him. And then they traded him away. And Like, it's fine because we have a now, but like, yeah, God. That makes, that makes
1: Alex very sad. <laughs> so angry. I loved Libertor so much. Chris Betts, do you guys do you guys know Chris Betts? Second round second round catching draft pick uh, back in 2015 16 somewhere in there he ended up getting Tommy John surgery. Well, at any rate he did win the the Midwest League Home Run Derby last year and he Baseball America named him the top defensive catching prospect in the system. So we had him, we had Roberto Alvarez who's not a top 30 prospect but could very well end up being one soon. He was just a a kid out of Venezuela that really improved. Caleb Sampin is on the top thirty. If you if you know him at all, he's a kid out of Indiana. His father was a big leaguer at one point, right-handed pitcher. We also had, I mean, if if you guys are paying attention of the Australian baseball league, we had Ford Proctor and Grant Witherspoon. So those, you know, I I know Matt Matt is is constantly sharing that stuff on Twitter. So I'm sure you guys are are very familiar with them at that at this point. I mean, you know, we had some really Lively bullpen arms. Oh, we had two others. Michael Plassmeyer, which left-hander, he's pretty good. I mean, he's fourth-rounder, I think. And we had Joe Ryan, who's like the rising star in the race system. He's just like, nobody, nobody understands the physics of his fastball, and he just throws it and everybody swings and misses at it so he ended up going from our level to double a same with plasmire i think they they ended up just blowing the system out of the water that year so and then on top of that you have other guys like easton mcgee i think jordan kazar's got a bright future he's got a ton of power and he's super athletic i mean you could just go down the list i just think that that team was i i think i think everything of that team it was just so impressive to watch you know three of your starters throw mid to high 90s and then four guys out of the bullpen doing the same and, and you know, Boz and McClanahan going back and forth seeing who could throw 100 more often. Like, it was just, it was absolutely bonkers out
3: Could this turn out, do you think those teams could turn out to be some of the best prospect teams of all time?
1: That is an interesting question. Having seen... Only time will tell. Ha- no, that, right? Only time will tell. The year before in 2018... That team was loaded, too. They ended up being the minor league baseball team of the year because they had your, you know, they had Brendan McKay for half a season and they had Ronnie Ronaldo Hernandez, the catching prospect who's on the 40-man now. I mean, they were just up and down. They had a ton of talent. I think if you look at the team that we had in 19, the guys that were coming in already had so much hype at that level. And not only that, but delivered. Like, they were guys that people knew and played up to the billing. That's one of the most impressive things because I see guys where they come in and they struggle. Wander struggling was like hitting 290. <laughs> That's how ridiculous that is. Oh he my was, God. Please don't get me excited. I, I I don't want to he he's an eight, <laughs> he's 18-year-old switch hitting shortstop. And it's like, like you're sitting there and you're like, okay, like just pump the brakes and stuff. He's he sputtered for about a month and hit 290. And then all yeah, of a sudden yeah. it was just like he would swing the the coaching staff at one point had to tell him we know that you can get to that slider outside it's a ball don't just don't swing at it and he just went okay and stopped swinging at it like the (laughs) strut the strut like and he was getting hits off of those pitches and it's just it's just like and then he would just hit rockets like he had a two home run game against lansing where he hit one ball into the corner they tried to pitch him away all game. That was their strategy. They're like, okay, he's going to hit left-handed. Let's pitch him away. He doesn't have any, like, he doesn't have any power the opposite field. That was the scouting report at that point in time. And they pitched him outside, and he hit a line drive into the corner, and then he hit one into the bullpen, and then he hit one over the bullpen. And it was just, and it was just, like, another day at the office for him. Like, it was, mm. and, and the cool thing is the energy that he has on the field is awesome. Like, he had a couple walk-off hits where he just lost his mind. Like, and was just, I thought he was going to physically hurt somebody after they won. <laughs> because he was just, like, jumping into guys, chest bumping, all that, you know, somebody hit him with a water bucket he smacked it out of their hand. Like, it was just crazy. He was just, what, it was, I mean, Jeff Passan from ESPN was in town to cover our 18-year-old Dominican shortstop. It's just like, it was not, I've never seen anything like it in my life.
0: That's, that's insane. I can't imagine. God, I don't want to get too hype about him, but I feel like it's justified. Yeah. No, we need I, I we mean,
1: need... it's it's like, one like. of those things where you don't you don't want it to turn into the you know here comes our messiah. Don't worry, he can't walk on. Don't worry, like don't worry that he can't walk on water right now. He will. It's it, you don't want to get to that point, but at the same time, you're I'm not trying to it's, no, right. He just sounds. But you're you're, 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 <laughs> you're I mean, you're looking at a guy that, that is legitimately hit. At every level he's gone to. I mean, look at his look at his a advanced stats from that year. Like he sputtered at the beginning of our season, and it didn't happen again. And, and that Florida and that Florida State League is and hard he, to that Florida State League is hard to hit in. Like that's it. The ball does not fly.
3: And you said two ninety was sputtering for him, right?
1: You yeah, that, I think that's two ninety is
3: his, is his sputtering. I at think our that's...
1: level, it was ah. <laughs> and and keep it keep in mind this is me containing the excitement in mind in a ball that's not like that's not teenagers Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you're you're gonna get some like that's the one misconception i hear a lot of people with they're like oh yeah a ball it's a bunch of it's a bunch of teenagers (laughs) and stuff like that like i'm not i'm not trying to i'm not trying to you know get anybody too crazy but i've so again like i've seen dylan carlson i've seen juan soto i've seen luis garcia I've seen all these guys with my own eyes. I'm not a scout. I don't pretend to be a scout, but I would like to think that I know what a good baseball player looks like. And when I want to
0: say, can I ask about
1: Soto? Yeah, because that must have been an experience to watch. Dude, he's so he's so smart. Like, I know that that's not what you would expect me to say. That he's just smart. They had a program installed for him to to learn like English. For like these are these are just stories that were floating around he did the program in like a quarter of the time that he was supposed to. He had like a year or two years to learn English or something. And he did it in a couple months. That's like fl- fluent, fluent English. Like no, like jump on this call and have a conversation. Wow. And it was like the way he carried himself. Like he didn't act like a kid and he was somebody who had gotten hurt the season before he came back. I mean, he was up and out of there in 16 games. I heard that they didn't even, they didn't even want him to start in a ball but they decided just to start him out slow that season and he just like he would hit a he would hit a ball and he would like he would just be under it or something like that and just catch it and he'd be looking in the in the dugout at the manager and the the hitting coach laughing after he just missed a pitch because he's he's just like darn I just missed that one like and then he would hit a home run or something it was just it was so it was so funny to watch like Juan Soto for I mean, I didn't, I didn't always travel with the team, but I mean, I, I got a chance to make a couple trips and it was, God, it was electric. I love using that word. It was electric.
2: Well, Soto is a great example of the question I was just going to ask. How cool is it to see a player that you covered in the minors succeed like he has done in the majors? Like, how cool is that? <laughs>
1: like, I, It's really hard for me to quantify because how many times are you going to see a guy know be at your level and the next year be a big leaguer
0: yeah that's ridiculous when you're at the lowest
1: (laughs) level of full season baseball that takes like two to three years to happen if the guy's really good yeah so it's just like it's it's un it's unprecedented to to see that kind of stuff like even even seeing McClanahan pitch you know in in the postseason this year like that doesn't happen very often that he's in bowling green in 2019 and he's in the big leagues in 2020 mind you in a pandemic, with a shortened season, with no minor league season, so it's just—I don't know. Let me see. I just pulled up the stats. So I lied for the for the month. He didn't do what I thought he did. Oh, in the month of in the month of April, he hit three eleven. Just tell me, is is an OPS of nine sixty one good? Is that good? Is anybody <laughs> else? Yeah, that's pretty good. Is that I'm good? Just, yeah, he, he, took, he took a step my back. my he, he, he took a step back in June. He played 16 games and hit 298, so his average went down. before. Oh, wow. He's a fraud. Ah. It was – man, poor kid. I tell you. Just
0: going just to just relax about it. Just going to
2: relax also, about it. <laughs> also, like, the minor leagues have, like, kind of a tendency to have, you know, crazy mascots. What what are your thoughts about that, Sean? Like, do you like that or the, oh, the crazy oh, yeah, team branding called?
1: or the crazy mascots?
2: Both. The crazy, Yeah, I guess both. But more, I guess, the crazy nicknames. I, 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 I tend to like them. I think I the, like the Hot Rods is a great name. I think I think, think, bring, I think a, that's a great name. Nickname. I think those names bring a lot of publicity
1: to these teams, and it's I think it's really cool. They do. I think that's that's kind of the point, right? Because yeah. if you you know if if every team was named the Cardinals or the Rays or the Yankees, like you would just wear your Cardinals or Rays or Yankee stuff. Whereas, you know, God. if you're a hot rods fan and you show up to Bowling Green ballpark, you know, we have a team store. We have a bunch of new wear fitteds in there and we have shirts and, and all that kind of stuff. So you stop in and you get a, you know, you get a t-shirt and stuff. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you get to, you know, if you say, Oh, I'm a, you know, what baseball team do you root for? There's a difference between saying I'm a race fan and I'm a hot rods fan. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there was uh, what? Missoula came out with the Missoula Paddleheads at one point. Binghamton went from um, the B-Mets the ponies. to uh, the Rumble the Rumble Ponies.
2: <laughs> the uh, New Orleans uh, Baby oh. Cakes. It's yep. The New Orleans. Oh, there game, was the, was the uh, there was cakes. like the
0: uh what what was it the uh the Utter Tuggers that was that was a team name for like a little yep, bit that
1: was that wasn't so all all these teams it's funny because Bowling Green kind of started this in 2016. We had the minor league baseball promotion of the year. Um, for for one game we became the bowling green bootleggers you mentioning the utter tuggers reminded me of this so the utter tuggers are like the alternate branding of the wisconsin timber rattlers Mm. so this is our normal hat we have like a dark navy blue right and then you have the word the the uh, i don't know what you call it like the the ligature the bg ligature mark if you will in the dark blue threading with the orange background and it's got that long tail kind of with the fire underneath it right kind of nice, almost like a tail that is sick it's so clean so it's a nice clean hat right hey it's, bghotrods.com it's really you can own are those yeah i was stuff. just gonna say are those for sale <laughs> these are these are for sale so so once <laughs> we're, gonna, we're now I, selling out <laughs> i'm not i'm not yeah that's what we're gonna do so <laughs> once a week we wear these hats mm. so these Ooh, are those are green so nice hats. And as you can see, you have the orange brim, right, with the brown hat and the orange top there, and then you have that big barrel, and it's it harkens back to the you know the bootlegging history in Kentucky. Which, mm-hmm. if you've never been to Kentucky, they're very very proud of their heritage and history and everything like that. By the way, in case anybody's curious, I said this on the other po- I said this on uh, Matt's Matt and uh, Aiden's podcast. It is Louisville. It is not Louisville. Don't say that. You're going to get me crushed if you say Louisville. It's Louisville. (laughs) So
2: we won't. (laughs) Is that a coincidence that the colors are practically identical to the Bowling Green, like, university colors? That is
1: complete coincidence. That's got to be complete coincidence.
2: (laughs) Because that hat looked exactly like like a Bowling Green. Yeah. Yeah, the conference, so you
1: do realize that's you realize that's in Ohio,
2: right? Yeah, that's in yeah that's in Ohio, but we actually
1: co- do have a Division one university in town. Oh, Western Kentucky, right? Western yeah. Kentucky University, the Hilltoppers. Right. But yeah, so a lot of teams have started doing stuff like this. But as far as I'm aware, at the very least, it seems like we did it the best. Maybe it might have been first, but we did it the best because we won an award for it. So there you have it. And, and those hats, so the, the stuff on that changes every once in a while. So at one point, it used to be a little guy like riding a barrel, which was really Ooh, that's cool. cool. That's it. And then to add another layer to it, every, every year for like two or three years, we would go to Peoria because you play the teams in the other division once a year. We would play against the Peoria Chiefs, and they would change their name to the Peoria Distillers, and they had alternate jerseys. And then we would play the oh, so Battle cool. for the Barrel game. These are and the awesome. team who won would take the barrel home. Yeah. So that's again, amazing. go to Pick one of those one of those suckers up. I mean, there.
2: Was there ever cool. anything in the barrel, or was it empty? Uh,
1: I don't know if there was. I think it was empty. Ah. Um, I forget <laughs> where. I wonder if they got it. I wonder if they got it from our partner because we have a sponsor. There's a distillery. Uh, called casey jones that provides us with a lot of our you know booze in the ballpark Mm -hmm. they actually we had a limited edition moonshine that they made for us where it was the hot rods moonshine but i mean like we do fun stuff like that like we had moonshine and shot glasses and and you know all that kind of stuff and and it was just i mean they're they're trying to come up with stuff all the time for for fans and for people in the area and everything so that's the long way around of saying yeah that's becoming more and more common that's awesome
2: I would have never known that, and that's pretty cool. It's so then.
1: cool. I'm well, trying minor league baseball is awesome. It is.
2: It really is. I mean, minor league baseball is the reason why I like the race, because I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, so
0: the Bulls, yep, you, you get it. Go Bulls. Oh, Go yeah. Bulls. Go Bulls in more ways than one, because Gibby goes to USF, so two Bulls. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Callahan. Callahan yeah, Sugar on.
1: Shane. What is up with this? I saw somebody tweet something that said McClan a stan. Oh yeah. So that's the, that's,
0: there's like an, an all female raised group chat that's on Twitter. So they're called the McClanistans
1: Oh, that's phenomenal. I wonder yeah, if he it's knows really, that. I hope he does. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we got to get him on the, that is so, that is so creative. <laughs> <laughs> it is.
0: Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I think, I think I have one more question for you, Sean, before you wrap this up. So what's been really the most enjoyable part of, of doing, you know, of broadcasting, of being part of minor league baseball, doing media relations? What's been the most enjoyable part for you so far?
1: The most enjoyable part for me is I've been able to meet a lot of really awesome people mm-hmm. and I've made some, some really incredible friends and friends that I didn't think, I, I guess I don't know how to phrase this, friends that I, I didn't think I would make. Mm-hmm. is a better way because I'm not you know like I'm a very very narrowly focused person and i I love my job and I just want to be able to do my job and and you know the the harder I work during the day the easier I sleep at night is the way that I look at it so for me to be able to go in and you know like I I, I got really close with our strength and conditioning coach from 2019 and he he and I are both huge t- Tennessee Titans fans and we had a game that got rained out uh in 2019 on a Sunday and he texted me and he said, what are you doing? And I was like, I am trying to get my stuff together to get out of the ballpark. I'm going to go home and, and, you know, have a nice glass of a whiskey or something like that. He goes, alternate plan. We're an hour away from Nashville and the Titans are playing a preseason game. I happen to have two tickets. Do you want to go? So it's like, it, there's, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a, a you know, I sat behind him on the bus. I, I still talk to him to this day. He's, you know, he checks in on me, asks how we're doing, asks how my wife is doing and stuff like that. Like, it's just you the relationships that you build between that and the other broadcasters and even you know the the old farm director mitch lukovics every time he came to town he was the nicest guy on the face of the planet he came up to the press box one night mind you he's got a lot of crap to worry about Mm -hmm. he came up to the press box one night and spent three innings with me on the broadcast to to end a game and was just telling all these stories and everything man it's just like you meet all these people and like to me that's you know it's great to go to the ballpark and love what i do and it's great to have that view from the office and and don't get me wrong like you know it's really cool being able to look back and say oh yeah i met this guy or i know this guy or you know whatever it is um you know i got to see you know shane mcclanahan hit pitching wedges on our warning track for you know a few times and stuff like that i you know just just random things like that i, I got to sit in the clubhouse before I start with shane boz and and you know pick his brain about different things and talk to him about the transition from the pirates to the rays all that kind of stuff but the thing that sticks out to me is you know i know a lot about shane boz's family and i've met his father and you know his, his father has said really nice things to me and and you know i've i've gotten to know chris bett's you know good fiance and stuff like that through all this and they've been and his family and his parents and stuff. And they're just really great people that it's, it's made being away from my family a lot easier. And it's, it's also given me other, you know, it's given me other people from other backgrounds and stuff to, to be able to, if not call friends, call, you know, good acquaintances and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Well, good I think that's awesome. Yeah, it really is.
0: I think good that's job. a perfect way to end this. So, Sean, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us and giving us you know, some insight on what it's like to to broadcast a minor league baseball and be part of this Rays organization. For those that don't know and don't follow you, where can people follow you on social media and follow what you're
1: doing? Yeah, I'm, how can I put this? My, my wife has some not kind words for me as far as my Twitter usage which I have throttled significantly recently, but more so because I don't have anything to say that's positive because, you know, the Titans kind of <laughs> didn't do so well this, uh, this postseason. So on Twitter, I'm, I'm at Sean Mernon, S-H-A-W-N-M-U-R-N-I-N. And once the season gets going, like that's, if I see something cool or, or I take a funny picture or something, I mean, that's usually where I'll post it too. I I should get better at Instagram, but I don't. Our social media person always yells at me like, Hey, you have all these pictures, why don't you post them? <laughs> I'm like, because it, that's an extra step I don't care to take. So <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm at Sean Mernon on Instagram, Instagram mm-hmm. as well, though. So those are the two main things, but I mean, I keep, I keep telling people, you know, on Twitter, we're at BG Hot Rods, like any updates that you need throughout the season, you can either go there or the website, bghotrods.com. There's the merch there, but anything that we know as far as scheduling and stuff like that, or even if you want to listen to a game, like, a, please, by all means, listen to me. Listen to me talk to myself for three hours. I swear, I'm not as crazy as I. I would do it. I would. You know, you can. You can I to- listen. Yeah, you, <laughs> abs- <bet>. you absolutely <laughs> should. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it, like I said, Twitter, Instagram, and then hopefully here soon we find out, and then I can start tweeting more and more. We heck, we have when I'm around, we have like a blog, and I try to I try to pen thoughtful things about hot rods history and stuff. So, you know, just try and try and stay connected that way. And I mean, for you guys, you guys do, you know, you guys seem like you're doing a good job. Just like I said, don't, don't forget about those minor leaguers, man. They are super important to everything that the Rays are doing. So keep yeah. doing your thing and keep talking about them and paying attention to them. And, you know, hopefully if, if things go right and we get a season and stuff like that, you let me know, like, I'm, I'm glad to, you know, hopefully give you guys some information or, you know, if we need to make time to talk or something, I'm more than happy to. Thank uh, you so much. be um, awesome. That'd be awesome. All right. Well,
0: Sean, thank you again so much for coming on and talking to us. And for everyone listening, thanks so much for listening to this episode. We really, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, if you don't follow us and what we're doing, we're on Instagram at Raise the Roof TV, all lowercase. We're on Twitter, same thing, Raise the Roof TV, the RTRTB, or all capitalized. If you guys have any comments, questions, criticisms of the podcast, you, you want to see us do anything, just email us at our Gmail account, which is Raise the Roof TV at gmail.com, again, all lowercase. And for this podcast, we're on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. So subscribe, leave us a review, listen to us there, all of that. Um, And from all of us, uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Please wear a mask and raise up.
3: up, Raise up, baby.